go. Am I, I am looking a bit orange on the screen, aren't I? Am I looking a bit orange in real life? Because I don't want to. Ugh. Don't know what that is. But anyway, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hope you're well. Politics, culture, and some other shit. Um. Yeah, all good. Um. Had an interesting week since I was speaking to you last. Got a really good response on, from the last uh, podcast as well. Uh, when I went up sleeve gullion, <gasps> I must tell you. I can't stop fucking thinking about it. I cannot stop thinking about Slave Gullion. You need to go. You really do need to go. It is the best place in the world. I'm thinking about... um, I'm writing some songs at the minute. And uh, they're a bit different for me. They're, you know... I suppose if if you know the Bonnevilles... You know that... You know what we do, right? You know, it's a big loud brash rock thing that we do garage blues and all that but you'll also know that there's some songs on our on our records that are you know nice nice songs and I like those because I consider myself to be a songwriter that's what that's, that, you know. If you say to me, "Are you a singer? Are you a guitar player?" You know, though I am those, but first and foremost, I'm a songwriter because that's what I like, and that's what I—that's the the skill that I appreciate the most. You know, that and playing the Ellen pipes, but I'll never get to do that. I don't think anyway. So I do, I do like to challenge myself, and I, I'll be perfectly frank too. You know, whenever if I was to listen to an album that was just full of eleven, say ten songs that were good suits and fighting boots, or ten songs that were just long runs of facts, and those are great songs. Don't get me wrong. In fact, I love them. I'm very proud of them. I think they're brilliant songs. But ten of them in a row is a bit would be a bit boring for me. I wouldn't. I don't think I would enjoy that record. I like a bit more nuance and I do love a good melody and a nice tune so <clears throat> my solo project Northern Gothic that was kind of what that was all you know that was a, it was that, well that was all there was different reasons for that but a part of that was for me to sort of exercise my songwriting muscle but since then I've been writing different styles of songs and if anybody that's come to see me do my solo thing live You'll know the types the types of songs that I play, and they're they're uh, well. I hope hope they're good. <laughs> first first and foremost, I hope they're good. But uh, you know they're they're quite they're nice songs. They're more introspective, or well, quite often they're about the environment and about around my my environment where I live. So right. Introspective, what's the word? Introspective. Then what's what's the opposite of it? Intro, outro, introspective. Is that a word? I'm struggling to say it. Never mind. Fucking figure out what it means. But so, 
I digress as I as is my want. This is my podcast. I can do what the fuck I like. So I've, I went up Sleeve Gullion and I can't stop thinking about it. It's just the most magical place I've ever been to. I've, I absolutely fucking love it. I'm, I'm in love with it. And I'm annoyed. I was talking to my cousin Barry. He was down here the other night. Sunday. I was in the pub. And it was after. I'll explain why. Well, I, I do tend to go to the pub on a Sunday anyway. But I was sitting talking with him. And I said to him. We're both socialists. Both, and we have so much in common. We're both musicians. And he's a tradition, Irish traditional musician. Uh so he's more in tune with it all. He's more in t- in, t- on t- has more information on tap than me. But I was saying to him, why did I not know about this place before? I mean, I did know about Gullion. Obviously, I knew about Gullion. I'd heard people talk. But I'd never been. My age in life, I've never... It took me until now to go to the top of Gullion. And I, li- I felt the vibe straight away. I, I literally did. And, uh, and Barry said something... That I completely agree with, he said, because it's been denied us. It's our culture has been denied us. And I'm gonna talk about that a little bit. About Malachi O'Doherty, the journalist, and it's something that he put up. An article that he wrote for the Belfast Telegraph. And it sort of ties in with what I've, what Barry did. You know, it, it's been denied us. We've got our own culture, our own unique. And it, there's been great Efforts over the centuries to deny us our culture. You know this. You know this is what I think. You know my feelings on empire and colonialism. And how does 50,000 people control a country of 20 million, 60 million, 80 million, whatever? India. No, in Ireland there was 8 million here. They divide us, conquer us. Culturally, they deny us our culture. A couple of decades later, you don't know who you are. And you're easily dominated. So, but, And that's been going. And it was just amazing to me. So I can't stop thinking about Gullion. I've been thinking about it so much. And I was, what was it, what was I doing the other day? I think I was, I was driving somewhere. And I had this idea. And I think I might do this. I'm going to play, I want to play some songs. So these songs, these new songs that I'm writing, that are about Loch Nain, about culture, and about, they're more folky. They're not trad, but more folky. Um... I'm going to play them on top of Gullion, but I want to bring a couple of musicians with me, and I want to film it. So it's going to it's going to take some planning. It's going to have to be the right day. It can't be too cold. It can't be too windy. Um, all that sort of stuff. And maybe I can make you a wee grant or something to pay for it because everybody needs paid. And so I was think I was thinking of asking my cousin Barry, and the other person that I was thinking of asking was Stevie Scullion from Melodian. I know he would do it because he's class, and I think it would be great if the three of us, so Barry could bring his pipes and his flute, and Stevie could bring an acoustic or a bass or something, and maybe we could all do a song each, each of our own. Maybe we could write a song for the occasion. Wouldn't that be something? And then we could we could back each other up on each other's song, and then we could hike up the top of the mountain and set up by the lake or by the passage to him and uh, play the songs and film it and make a thing out of it would not be class would that not be class I think that would be fucking class so I'm gonna say about that I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into see if that's a thing that we can do 
and I'm, I'm trying to talk myself out of it, which is not like it's not something I normally do. I don't. I, I normally, I'm, it, it, I, I don't talk myself out of anything. If I want to do a thing, I go and do it. I'm trying to for, sort of give myself reasons as to why it can't be done, and I can't think of any. We should do this. This is a great idea. But there we go. So I'm going to talk a bit about Malachi O'Doherty. I'm just going to write that down so I don't forget. Because I forgot. This this podcast is a bit more me just sort of rambling today. Which is the exact opposite of what I was intending on doing. <laughs> but there we go. So, updates. I just need to find... Malachi O'Doherty there, he's there. I just need to find this article. Mm-hmm. There we go. I want to make sure I have that because I don't think I bookmarked it. So, updates. Played a couple of gigs at the weekend. Peter Graham. There we go. Hey, Pete. How's it going, buddy? Uh, by the way, join us over. This is a live stream. Um, join us over. Well, if you're listening to this live, you know it is. But if you're if you're not, come and join us uh, next week, every Wednesday, seven o'clock, and uh, you get to talk to p- interesting people like Peter Graham. Pete's my mate, and he's also the Bonneville's roadie, and he also runs a, a project called Berlin Battle Damage. Pete, I wanted to talk to you too, by the way, about coming on the podcast and doing uh, me interviewing you about about Berlin battle damage. And Pete, Pete has an apartment in Berlin, and uh, he goes over there all the time. Just back last week, and he does this great thing where he the the battle damage from World War Two it still exists, it's still there. You know, so the bullet holes in the walls of the building, some building got demolished, maybe part of it's still demolished. They left it as sort of, I think they left it, well, Pete can tell us, but I think they left it as a as a reminder. But, uh, and then he compares and contrasts and gives you a bit of a history lesson. That's fucking brilliant stuff. And it's gotten really big. Thousands of followers on various social medias and all. People are mad into that. And so they should be. So, um, so yeah, so head over to the YouTube Next week, give us a like, share, subscribe, come into the chat and say something. Um, we had a couple of gigs at the weekend. We played uh, the Black Box in Belfast on Saturday with our friend um, Dave Arcari. And that was fantastic. It was good to see Dave. I haven't seen him in a few years now. And he was as brilliant as ever. In fact, he was better than I remember. And uh, that was a real treat. It was a real treat just to get out gigging again, you know. But uh, with with Dave, who's fucking lovely, and we got to see Margaret, his his wife, who travels with him. They used to live in Glasgow, but they live in they live in Loch Lomond now, and uh, yeah. So we got to do that, and then on sorry that was Friday. And then on Saturday, we got to play in Derry in the Cathedral. I think it was called the Cathedral festival or something and then the Friday one in Belfast was called the Cathedral Arts Court Arts Festival so both cathedrally based festivals in two different cities but we played um, 
it was great crack. We got we got hooked off the stage early. We were finishing the gig out at eight o'clock apparently, and a neighbour complained about the noise. But apparently, we'd heard the guy told us he's a serial complainer. That's what this guy does. So uh, I think we were at the end. We were kind of lucky to get to eight o'clock. So, but it was okay. It was fine. We enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, and then so then on Sunday, I played uh, the first league match in the f- football team that I played for the over thirty fives Oxford Sunnyside, and uh, we played against Crumlin United. And well, long story short, I ended up on a pair of these. And for those of you listening, I'm holding a crutch. I went over on my ankle. With 10 minutes to go, I'm playing goals, as you know. I was up for a save. And when I landed, I rolled my ankle and I went to the hospital. I didn't know what the... I was hoping it wasn't broke. Um, and, it, well, it wasn't. It was all the ligaments, my, my, my leg is all big and massive. It looks like somebody else's leg. So all the ligaments are all pulled. So I have to go back to physio in 10 days and then I'll get a, a better assessment. They couldn't do too much. They x-rayed it. It's not broke. It's all the ligaments. There's a bit of bone pulled off with the ligament floating about, I believe. But So hopefully it'll be okay. Ligaments can be worse than a broken bone, depending, depending of course. I've done this before. I crashed a motorbike years ago and did this. I think it, I think I did it much worse back then, but uh, but it was younger, so it would have healed quicker. So I'm out for the foreseeable. You know what the thing? You know what the weird thing is too. I actually feel a bit guilty because I feel like I'm letting my teammates down. You know, and they're awesome. You know, we're in a group chat and they're slagging me off, and so they should. Uh, but. Uh, I do, I, I do like the camaraderie and all that, and it feels cool and groovy. And uh, I feel like I'm letting them down a wee bit. So, but there's nothing I can do, you know. Um, the the thing I will say is though. Oh, so we played against yeah, so we played against Crumlin United, and this was a different animal. To the games that we'd been playing, we'd been playing. Remember, we played the Northern Ireland Comedians Eleven, and then we had a couple of we had two friendlies the, the weeks running up before that, and we won those quite quite convincingly. To be to be honest, this was a different animal altogether. Hey, this was a lot more competitive. Oh my god, I remember. <laughs> I remember. No, you got to bear in mind who I haven't played football competitive or otherwise in two two decades. So, I remember <laughs> my heart, you know, when, when, when the game starts, any game starts, your heart goes, you get a wee bit of excitement. My heart didn't stop for the entire game. I was on edge the whole game. And I remember standing in my goal and thinking, this is not like those other games. This isn't as much fun as those other games. I'm not sure if I like this. Seriously, I was I was like I I don't know about this. This is different. But we got through it. We won three two. Crumlin United at home. So we've to go and play them 
in their home ground in a month or two. And they were very, very good. They were very, very aggressive. My wife, Janie, and Lily, and her wee buddy, Kirsty, who's our kind of other adopted daughter, um, they were all watching, and they were, no, I don't like this. I don't like them, them bad men. They were, they were, it was, you know, got, got a few boots, got elbow in the ear, bruised my, my, my hamstring, got kicked in the leg, kicked in the knee. Yeah, I remember going for a cross and I was going up and my hands up in the air. There was a corner, they took a corner and I was going to, I was on it. And as I was going up, I got the elbow in the ear and it kind of knocked me over a bit. And But it, I managed to get the ball away still. But, which, for me, I'm not complaining, but it kind of goes against the spirit of what the league was supposed to be. It was For me, it was supposed to be a bit of fun. We all go out, we're all competitive enough, we're all wanting to win. But you don't be going out breaking people. That's not what we were supposed to be doing. But that said, the only person that did get broke was me. And that brings me to my other point. So, a few weeks before that, our other we've got two goalkeepers in our in our, in our team. Cyprian, who's a, uh, a Romanian fella. Really, really nice guy. And uh, really good goalkeeper. Goalkeeper all his life. I don't know how old he is, he's 30s, late 30s anyway. And he giving me tips and all and being, being very, very nice and very, very helpful. Well, a few weeks ago, he went in to play his, because we were playing, I would play the first half, he played the second half. And he went over and twisted his knee and did exactly the same thing on his knee that I did to my ankle, which ripped all the ligaments up to pieces. So, and it was in the same goal mouth. Right? So that's the important bit. Why not? It was the same goal mouth. So we're going to do a wee Irish pagany cleansing ceremony in the goals to stop the goalkeepers getting injured. Um, we're going to do it in the, 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 ahead of the next game. We're going to do a bit of sage, and we've got a couple of little little symbols for strength and health that we're going to. I'm going to sharpie them onto the onto the uh, the goals, the up, the, the uprights. Nice and small, I'm not going to make a big thing out of it, but just to, yeah, and I've got, so so I've, I've sort of strained my wrist, uh, since I've started playing football again, like being in the goals, strained my wrist, and I've did my thumb in real bad there, I was off for another couple of weeks, but I thought it broke my thumb, I did, I, th- I fractured it, um, so Lily drew us an ugum, so we were down in Slave Cullion, and one of the things that we saw was this that standing stone I was telling you about, and it was, it was the ugums. I told you, I remember I put my hand on the Ogham's. Some other human hand had carved those in 2,000 years ago, or whatever. And there's my hand on touching these marks. And I was like, this was so beautiful. I felt inspired by it. So Lily drew an Ogham for strength on my hand, my right hand. To give me strength that I wouldn't get any more injuries in my hand. And I didn't. Fucked my ankle up. Fucked my leg up. <laughs> my hand's fine. My leg, I can't walk. So there's that. So that was good. I know, and I got injured, and I get injured a lot because I do. I, I don't fuck about when it comes to trying. Anybody knows, and you know, I used to race. I st- well, I still consider myself to be a, a bicycle racer. Um, even though I haven't done it in a while. Um, I uh, I've picked up many injuries over the year years 
Because I don't do things by half. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. If I get injured, so be it. So I don't mind. And uh, it's like Lance Murdoch from The Simpsons said, uh, wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and Lurgan has the best doctor, daredevil to doctor ratio in the Western world. So, what else? So I'm talking about interviewing people again. So Pete, I'm talking about interviewing my mate Pete. That Hopefully he'll come on to it. I know he will, because he's awesome. But one of the other people I'm going to talk about, going to talk with, is Sarah O'Neill. You heard me mention her name a few times. She come to see us play there in Portrush. She's an artist and a fashion designer. And I had a great, lovely conversation with her about... Well, basically, it was about a Celtic revival. So it was like, the, you know, the first Celtic revival with Yates and all that sort of stuff. And because of it, we have the GAA and the Gaelic League and all these things all exist because people are starting to appreciate their culture more. And we kind of have a sense. We were saying that there's a sense of that going on, that people are leaning into this more and understanding the importance of it and understanding the beauty of it and understanding that we are it and we are connected. We are it and we are connected to it. So maybe it's time for a little Celtic Celtic Revival 2.0. So we're going to talk about that because when she does her clothes, everything's inspired, but in the best possible way. I was talking, again, I, I I was talking with my cousin Barry about this. We were talking the other night and I was saying, because we were talking, I was saying, well, why didn't, why, did I, why have I never been on top of Gullion until recently? And he said, you know, whatever. Because the effort has, that has been put into denying us this culture, to, to, to making sure that we don't do these things. So, I was telling him about this, about what I was saying, what we're talking about with Sarah, and he was very, he was like, really, really, oh, I like the sound of that, I like the sound of that. And, One of the thoughts that I had a number of years ago was what is Irish architecture? What is Irish clothing? Well, Sarah would be an example of that. Because we were like English clothing, Western clothing, but there's, and there's, I guess there's traditional clothing, but it didn't, it didn't develop. So, Iceland is as different from Denmark or Sweden as, you know, as we are. But Iceland has its own thing. We should be that. We should have that. And we have it, to a degree. But we should have it with everything. And you would still wear jeans and t-shirts and jumpers and all that, and whatever. And you would still play the sports that you play, and you still like the things that you like. But you would be more culturally connected to and all those things would have formed in their own time over centuries so and that's one of the things again i'm going to lean into it real quick brown law what so if you're looking at what what would your buildings look like what would your road system look like what would your clothing look like what would your legal system look like would it be the same as england's which is what it is well, no, it would, it would, of course it would be different. It would be, it would, West, the Western idea of judges sitting on a, on a, a, a jury of your peers and all that. So, you know, we would maybe employ that. But we had our, our own legal system called Britain Law, which existed in Ireland, that was purposely put down by orders of uh, the King of England, 
this is to be oppressed. And it was named after wandering Brehan lawyers. I'm going to, I'll read a little bit about it for you. Right? So, so there we go. So that's what, so that's what, so those are the things I'm going to talk about. Now, this is the best thing fucking ever. So I'm going to talk about those things real quick. I'm not going to blast through everyone, but I'm still I'm still doing my updates. Oh, it's such a fucking week. So I played a couple of gigs, played a football match, nearly broke my leg, and then today the reason that the the, the, the podcast is late is because I want to show you the photographs. My friend, right? So I have this friend from my youth called Vernon Vernon Fox, amazing man, lovely fella. I used to work at a bar in town in my early early mid twenties called Centre Point, and everywhere I think it was Wednesday nights they used to do karaoke, and I ended up running the karaoke, and Vernon, me and Vernon would would do it together. We ended up doing it together. We get through a couple of quid and. Usually people get up, get up every week and sing the same songs every weekend. But it was a bit of crack. We all got drunk and we spent the money that we got given anyway. Vernon's a great guy. And much like myself, is a man that is want to celebrate this place that we live in. And rather than slag it off all the time or say it's shit because I don't believe that it is, Vernon would be the same. But Vernon's, unlike me, Vernon's a businessman, a successful one. So what has he decided? What is he? What has he opened in the town? He's opened the Spade Town Brewing Company, Lurgan, right? Lurgan's known as Spade Town. So, just a wee quick one on that. Ways, ways of it. I actually wrote it down. Aye. So, Lurgan's called Spade Town. Nobody knows why, really, but. It's thought that a couple of the... There's a saying, because you have a face as long as a Lurgan spade. It means you're all... You're moping, right? Your face is all long. And then you say, well, that's to make that shorter, which is a smile, right? So, but Vernon's tapping into all that, all that local myth, mythology and local folklore and local stuff. The, now, the, the last brewery in Lurgan was in the, was sold in the 1930s and then the last distillery was like 200 years ago. And Lurgan used to be a major distillery and distilling and brewing place, but it all got it all got shut down and burnt and it was a fire. Just around the corner from where I live is a hill that's called Distillery Hill, still called Distillery Hill. People still call it that. It's, not co- it's called North Street, but people... Lo- colloquially referred to it as Distillery Hill 200 years after the last distillery was on it and it was a major distillery place and a major brewing place like properly major but I don't I don't know why these things closed and never opened again I really don't but Vernon has opened the first brewery and he invited me round he said do you want to come round and have a look I said I'm fucking right I want to come and have a look and they're still building it it's still there it's a big unit and it's going to be amazing he's going to do that modern tap room thing so you got the brewing going on and food being served on these tables and a bar and you know and all that and it's all so he's asked the Bonnevilles to play at this and we're going to be uh, hopefully doing it on the 23rd of October on a Saturday afternoon 
and he was telling me the plans, and it's going to be fucking amazing. So, so just to, to finish that, Lurgan's Spade comes from, like I said, nobody knows, so it could be, there's a, the, the men that used to dig, there were there were poorly paid workers that were hired to dig Lurgan Lake. There's a lake in the park, again just around a corner from here, and it was dug by hand. And so they sent faces along as a Lurgan spade. So they called these men that were digging the hole Lurgan spades. There's also said that so then there's the, there's also or is it from the Irish Lurgan spade, which is the shin. Which is the shin, the f- the front of the spade, Lurgan spade, and then that becomes Lurgan spade, right? So, and then this is the other one. This is my own personal one. This is what I think now. Lurgan in Irish means is is comes from the the, the English word comes from the Irish and Lurgan, L O I R G A I N, right? And Lurgan means. The Long Ridge, so from here down to Loch Ness, and right the so it just rises from Loch Ness, and it would, it would on the Long Ridge. And when you think of it in your mind, you go, "Oh fuck, right, okay, that's so what it is, right?" So I think Lurgan Spade comes from a ma- an amalgam of all three of those. So Lurgan Spade, which is the shin, literally means shin, but it's the front of the spade. And think of it, it's the front of your leg, shin, that bit that sticks out. Lur- the Lurgan Spades, which is the man that dug the, dug the lake, and then and Lurgan, the long ridge from the lock up. So I think it's probably an amalgam of all three. That's what I think. What do I know? Could be wrong. <laughs> Casual white guy. I be politic and like, I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> For sure. Right, so here we go. So that's just the fucking updates. But I'm not going long tonight, people. This is, I'm out of here in half an hour. So. Right. Malachi O'Doherty. We're going to talk about that. Because it sort of ties in with what I was saying about. The the removal of your culture. Now, I'm not going to read the whole article because it's in a Belfast Telegraph. It's behind a paywall. But I'll show you what I'm reading. There's it there. And there's the long fella, Eamon de Valera. So Malachi O'Doherty wrote this article for the Belfast Telegraph. And here is the worst shitlib hot take I have ever fucking seen. UK and Ireland are so alike, a unity poll would be pointless. Just fuck off Malachi and you know it's like whenever you see Irish Americans and you see them say things like the Irish were slaves too and so and we don't moan about it and all bullshit like that and you see it's by some guy called Kieran O'Neill and you're like oh fucking hell you know and, and you see the the right wing governments and they're filled with these Irish names and it breaks your fucking heart much like this except Malachi is less excuse because he's you know he is one of us and so when I'll, I'll read, there's only there's no, as you can see, there's it's all behind a paywall. I wonder actually if I try something here. Let me just see if 
this little app that I use. Gets around the paywall. Let me see, let me see. Ah, you fucking right, it does. Good man. So, here we go. De Valera, like Pierce, was suspicious of a modern modern industrialization and was a bit like Mahatma Gandhi, who imagined an India that would be self-sufficient, agricultural, even eschewing modern medicine. Gandhi would have been an anti-vaxxer. Is he fucking smoking heroin? Is this a joke? Is this a fucking joke? Ugh. That's fucking blowing my mind. I haven't even got to the worst of it yet. Oh, Jesus Christ. By the way, you know the spinning wheel in the on the at that um thing in the middle of the Indian flag is a spinning wheel. And it was a reminder to be self sufficient. Gand- at Gandhi's insistence that that went in there. And he did, he spun himself, he did that. You'd see pictures of him doing that. So Oh Malachi. Malachy, Malachy, Malachy. So here we go. India went against Gandhi's vision and Ireland in time. And in time, Ireland went against devil errors. India and Pakistan have been separated from each other for 75 years chronologically. They are as far from partition as we were in 1996. India, which started out with the intention of being democratic and secular, has become determinedly Hindu and sectarian. Pakistan is Islamic. The two parts of the original country were nuclear powers frequently on the brink of war. Ireland evolved in the other direction towards being more like Britain and was well on its way by the 1990s to shedding its old chauvinisms. There was a time in the 60s when the liberalisation of British social legislation seemed to make Ireland and Britain sharply different in basic values. But Ireland has those same or similar laws now, facilitating contraception, divorce, abortion, same-sex marriage. Right? I think I know where Malachy's going with this. Okay. The old chauvinisms of Gaelic Catholic Republicanism and Protestant Unionism are the local cultures which make us different. So he's making a direct comparison there between India, Pakistan, Gaelic Catholic Republicans and Protestant Unionisms. Okay. But these are on the way on both sides of the border. True. Sinn Féin, the Sinn Féin movement traces its lineage back through Pierce to the Fenian movement, but it would be embarrassed to have him as a member now. He would be more at home in Ian too. Well, he might be because he was a Catholic. Paisley as he was in the 70s and 80s would be a similar embar. He was a, I mean, he was a Catholic a hundred hundred years ago. Paisley as he was in the 70s and 80s would be a similar embarrassment to the modern DUP as the DUP itself is an embarrassment to many, perhaps most, who value the union. This is particularly a problem for the DUP which has to choose between growth of the party and preservation of the union. These being potentially at odds with each other. But it's also a potential problem for Sinn Féin which must put its case to the Irish electorate on social issues. Rather than extend... Rather than ending partition, the aspiration which justifies its existence and its bloody past. I wonder what voters down there think of the party's commitment to the Irish Language Act when the experiment of restoring Irish as a native tongue there 
has so painfully failed. Honest to fucking God. I don't know where to start with that. This is what I was talking about. The reason that we don't speak Irish is because of the empire. It's because of colonialism. The fact that we fucking are attempting. Attempting. To cling to it. And we are. And it's coming back. It's not, I mean, not going to happen in the morning. It's a credit to everybody that's doing it. Of course, Malagi will mock it because it wasn't a complete success over fucking night. So, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually annoyed. I don't want to be annoyed. I don't know if I'm going to read any more of this. I'm not going to read any more of this. I'm going to move on. Fuck you, Malachi. Fucking dick. Malachi's talking about things like the reason, the things that we are have in common are things that we drive on the same side of the road and we have the same legal systems and we have... That's... That's not... No, listen. Maybe I'm being a bit unfair, not um, uh, commenting further without reading the rest of the article. But I I generally, I I couldn't disagree more. There's no point in in, in, you know. We may as well unite with England. Fuck off. With right wing Tories, with the Labour Party, the other major party in the fucking country that is currently cut its own throat. Getting rid of anything that looked like a socialist and is going to get fucking creamed at the next election, despite the fact that it's going up against the worst fucking Tory government in history. And we're supposed to do what? What? Why? I, I, I'm, I'm going to. Okay, I'm going to comment. My comments are on the spirit of what Maliki said rather than. More like I'm going to comment on the headline, which is lazy, but I'm going to do it anyway. We're not English, and the English aren't us. And if we were ever to be united, you need you would need to point out to me at what point in history were we to be united as equals, Malachi. We have been fucking trampled upon by the English and then the British and then and the Empire and colonialism for the, the guts of 800 years. At no point were we considered equals. And you don't need to go back 800 years. You know, man knows full well. You just need to look at the recent Brexit shit show. Everybody in British politics has said, throw Ireland under the bus, we don't care. But we, 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 there's no point in uniting, or there's no point. What the fuck are you talking about? Okay, what's the point? He asked, he did use that word, there's no point. Self-respect. 
there's a point. And driving on the same side of the road is not a fucking good enough point, Malaga. Sorry. Self-fucking-respect. Shocking stuff all again. So. Here's another one. Remember I was talking earlier on in the thing about Brian Law. Ireland's Brian Laws were way ahead of their time. Now, I got someone... I, I retweeted this and someone threw up a link for a book which I've bought and I'm waiting for I bought it uh, just yesterday so it'll be with me in a day or two I can't remember what it's called I think it's by a person called Joe Kerrigan and it's about this it's about Brian Law now I know James Connolly who's a great hero of mine he was a sort of a fan of Brian Law and I dare say Brian I mean I don't know I mean I'm, I'm going to read the book and I'll find out more but you're talking sort of a post-medieval or a medieval clan, tribey sort of laws. And I'll read, I'm going to read a few of them out to you. They're fucking brilliant. But they do sound of their time, to be fair. But this is my point. What I was saying earlier on. What would our legal system look like if we weren't so dominated by colonialism? If... I mean, you basically look at a Dublin court, it looks exactly the same as an English court, right? So what what would what would this look like? If this was had been allowed to naturally evolve, what would it look like? I just think I love that. I just think it's an and I do think that's a very interesting question. And it's something worth thinking about. And whenever you do think about it, you tend to then you, you extrapolate that out. And you think about everything else. What would the houses look like? What clothes would we wear? Certainly what language would we be speaking? And you go, well, well, what does it fucking matter? Well, if you understand a little, anything about the Irish language, for example. <coughs> pardon me. It is not English. In any way, shape or form. It is very beautiful. So is the English language. But the Irish language is beautiful in its own unique way. More connected to nature. It it's more thoughtful and, and poetic. I'm not saying that English isn't. Of course it is. But Irish is in its own unique way. And in a really, really cool way. A beautiful, beautiful way. And it's a shame. It's got nothing to do with who you vote for or or what religion you are. These things are not not important. It's a proper shame that we don't speak Irish across the island and as our first language. We should all be polyglots anyway, so we should be speaking Irish and then English as well, which is, you know, the the, the arguments against speaking Irish that come from the the ignoramuses within the DUP and unionism. Uh and not just not just unionism, by the way. You don't need to go, you don't need to go to, to you don't need to find a unionist to find someone that fucking is an ignoramus about about the Irish language. But it's just a shame. We really should be speaking this. But so this is what I mean. So here's an example. Brehan Law B R E H O N. 
that's the word. So I'm going to read this article. It's only short, but it's really cool. Brehan Law is the body of ancient native Irish law, which was generally operational pardon me, in Gaelic areas until the completion of the English conquest of Ireland in the early 17th century. They were first set down in parchment in the 7th century and were named after wandering lawyers, the Brehans. By the time of Elizabeth I, the Brehan laws were considered to be old, lewd and unreasonable. They were banned and English common law was introduced. However, thankfully, some of the Brehans thought to hide the precious manuscripts and a good number of them survived. In 1852, two Irish scholars, Eugene O'Curry and John O'Donovan, took to translating the laws. And in the words of another Irish scholar, D.A. Binchy, what they found were secrets about Ireland's past. Isn't that class? The laws were details, Binchy said. Details that describe ancient life in the days when the Irish still lived in mud huts and small ringed settlements and paid their bills in cows and bacon. And here are just a couple of Ireland's stranger ancient Brehan laws. And this is a sec- this section is about musicians and artists. Right? So, the harpist is the only musician who is of noble standing. Flute players, trumpeters, timpanists, as well as jugglers, conjurers and equestrians who stand on the back of horses at fairs have no status of their own in the community. Only that of the noble only that of the noble chieftain to whom they are attached. The harpist. Well, a harp's almost like a guitar, isn't it? Sure. Next one. The poet who overcharges for a poem shall be stripped of half his rank in society. (laughs) That's brilliant. So the next section goes to property and land. The creditor who holds your brooch or your necklet of your earrings as a pledge against your loan must return them so you may wear them at the great assembly or he will be fined for your humiliation shocking stuff for the best arable land the price is 24 cows the price for dry coarse land is 12 dry cows Ah, fair enough says I relationships this is fucking class and there's a whole load of this stuff. I've seen some of this stuff in the past. It goes on. It, it's fucking brilliant. But it, but what it illustrates as well is it's the same sort of thing. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that we run around paying for the best horrible lamb with 24 cows or anything like that. But when, when, when you, especially this one when it comes to relationships, it illustrates perfectly the different the way that people thought differently. Now, I know these are ancient people you know, these laws are maybe a thousand years old but <clears throat> realistically even if Brehan law had been allowed to evolve to a modern to a modern Irish version of it you're still maintaining the same thought process do you know what I mean so when you talk in Irish you th- Think differently, you have, yeah, because you have to. Because that's the way the sentences are structured. Everything's different, and it has to. That's why it's difficult to learn. 
And it's the same as this. You would think differently. And then what would that have done to your country, to your people as a nation? Instead of having this unconfident looking to England for fucking everything, what would we, you know, maybe it would have been worse. I don't know. Maybe we would, we would have been one of the only countries, instead of being one of the only countries in the world that hasn't invaded anyone, we might have been a big bunch of shite hawks. I don't know. I'm only asking the question. So, let's see. Relationships. This is class. February 1st is the day on which a husband and wife may decide to walk away from the marriage. Every year. If you want to divorce your husband, you want to divorce your wife, off you go. February the 1st, you can just do it. Don't need to go anywhere near a fucking priest. It's done. Don't need to go near a lawyer. It's done. If a man takes a next one, if a man takes a woman off on a horse into the woods or on to a sea-going ship, and if members of the woman's tribe are present, they must object within twenty-four hours, or they may not demand payment of the fine. So it's absolutely couldn't agree more. No idea what any of that meant. The husband-to-be shall pay the bride a piece of land, cattle, horses, gold or silver, to the father of the bride. Husband and wife retain individual rights to all land, flocks and household goods each brings to the marriage. Now that's more progressive than what we have today. A husband who through listlessness does not go to his wife in her bed must pay a fine. Boys. Do we know what we're talking about here? We're talking about hoo-hoo. Your woman needs hers as well. And if you don't fucking bring it, you're going to have to pay a fine. In under Brahan law, by the way, women had, um, un- obviously today we have this, but oh, this stuff was well ahead of English common law when it comes to its progressiveness. And other aspects, I'm aware, I'll know more when I get the book, but I'm aware that there were certain things where it wasn't just as modern sounding as, as, as it might first appear here. But, um, well, it certainly was well ahead of English common law for the 7th century. A woman is entitled to get get her oats. And if you don't fucking do it, you won't have to pay a fine by. If a pregnant woman craves a morsel of food and her husband withholds it through stinginess or neglect, he must pay a fine. Brilliant. Just right, too. Where are we? Fuck's sake. And there we go. If a woman makes an assignation with a man to come to her in a bed or behind a bush, (laughs) the man is not considered guilty, even if she screams. If she has not agreed to a meeting, however, he is guilty as soon as she screams. Hmm. That's fucking mad, isn't it? You're not allowed to rip. No ripping. Ripping's bad. 
If a woman makes an assignation with a man to come to her, the man is not considered guilty even if she screams. So if she says no, even halfway through, he's not guilty. Hmm. That's obviously not cool at all. But for a thousand years ago, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm, it's more advanced than I would have um, expected, to be honest. When you become old, your family must provide you with one oat cake a day plus a container of sour milk. They must bathe you every 20th night and wash your head every Saturday. 17 sticks of firewood is the allotment for keeping you warm. There you go, fuck me. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, onwards. Health. No fools, drunks or female skulls are allowed in the doctor's house when a patient is healing there. No bad news to be brought and no talking across the bed. No grunts of pigs or bark- barking dogs outside. Brilliant. Brilliant stuff. No bad news to be brought and no talking across the bed. No no fools, drunks or female skulls are allowed in the doctor's house <laughs> when a patient is healing there. Who'd have thunk it? If the doctor heals your wound but it breaks out anew because of his carelessness, neglect or gross want of skill, he must return the fee you paid. He must also pay you damages as if he himself had wounded you. Hmm. Random. Here's random. So this is it. This is the end of it. Random ones. Whoever comes to your door, you must feed him and care for him with no questions asked. Lovely stuff. It is illegal to give somebody food that has been found with a dead mouse or weasel. Not a fucking clue do I have what that's all about. Just trying to think. No, nothing. Nothing's coming to mind. It is illegal to give somebody food <laughs> that has been found with a dead mouse or weasel. I need to know what that means. <laughs> I hope, hopefully, it'll be in my book when I get it. That's <laughs> fucking class. A layman. This is a good one now. And a layman may drink six pints of ale with his dinner. But a monk may only drink three pints. This is so that he will not be intoxicated when prayer time arrives. So there you go. You're allowed to drink six pints with your dinner. And that's the thing about, you know, with the Irish relationship. And this is where it comes from. You know, the, the Irish relationship with alcohol. We, we have this great reputation. And... Statistics show we, we we do like our beer and our whiskey and all the rest of it, but no more than anybody else. But I remember reading uh, when the Spanish Armada when it crashed on off the rocks off off the west coast of Ireland, and there was a, there was a, cap, a Spaniard captain, and I think he washed up in Donegal, and all the locals all the, he says all he ever drank was beer. But the water that was just flowing off the hills was the purest, cleanest water he'd ever seen. You could just drink it straight into your hands and just drink it. 
So the, one of the reasons in medieval times, especially and beyond, well, beyond, people made dr- drunk beer, so they would brew beer to drink water because the water was so unsafe. But in Ireland, it's not. It never was. It was always safe. It was always safe to drink. But we discovered beer and fucking made it into made our, wa- our clean water into beer anyway. There we go. So there's another article there. I'm not again. I'm not going to. So what do you think of that? What do you think of that Brahan Law stuff? Is it cool or what? I'm going to get the book, and. I will um, report back on on whether it's any good or not. I'm very, I'm sort of intrigued by it, but I'm, like I said, I'm intrigued by the idea that what we could have done with it had it been allowed to become a part of our national identity. What would it have been? What would Britain law look like? I think it would be a bit more socialist, a bit more communisty. It's no bad thing. So there we go. So, near done. Going to finish soon. I told you I'm not going long with this. Quick article. I'll put I'll put the links to these by the way in the show notes. So if you come to the 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 YouTube or your podcast app, you should have the links. If you haven't got the links, go to the go to the or the YouTube page. And you'll be able to get them there. And while you're there, subscribe. Like, share, subscribe. So, this is an article that was printed in Belfast Live. Trouble's amnesty plan. Worse than the one used by Chilean dictator Augusto Pinochet. So, I'll just find the bit here. I should have fucking... There we go. Oh no. Yeah. I should have highlighted that before. Just going to read this bit. So basically, the British government have drawn up, and and again, you know, Maliki O'Doherty. Yeah, we're so fucking similar. Right. The British government have drawn up plans for the amnesty of British soldiers and everything, and everybody that was involved in the troubles. And Pat Hume, God rest her, uh, wife of the great John Hume, who died the other day, was against us. And said it was it was a disgrace, it was a travesty. So, I'm just going to read this quick bit from this report. It's it's, it's a long enough article, so I'm just going to read you a little paragraph. Professor Louise Malander from the School of Law, Queen's University, Belfast, said the effect of the proposed UK government amnesty would be to prevent not only criminal prosecutions but also close down current or future investigations in the civil courts. In coronial inquests or police ombudsman investigations, all of which would be closed off to families. I've been working on amnesties around the world, really hear this, for almost 20 years. I have analysed almost 300 amnesties related to conflict and peace from 1990 until 2016. The proposed UK amnesty would offer the broadest form of, impu- of impunities of impunity of all the amnesties surveyed. So basically that means that all the am- of all the amnesties that she's looked at over the course of her, her career, 
the Brit this proposed British government legislation would be the most sort of forgiving. And by way this is so by way of illustration, the amnesty introduced by the former Chilean dictator General Augusto Pinochet is usually held up as one of the worst. However, Pinochet's amnesty excluded certain crimes, such as crimes of sexual violence. The UK proposal excludes no crimes. Pinochet's amnesty applied only to the first five most violent years of the 17-year dictatorship. The UK proposal has no temporal limits. Pinochet's amnesty excluded criminal cases already before the courts. The UK propose, proposal would close down cases already in the system and Pinochet's amnesty applied only to criminal prosecutions. Civil actions were permitted to continue, so the family would be allowed to take an individual to court. The UK proposal would end all types of legal cases. In other words, the proposed UK amnesty is Pinochet plus. The authors say the UK proposals also signal the government's intention to replace families' ability to seek truth through the courts and police investigations with the option for them to engage with the new information recovery body. Uh huh. We'll just see. However, Daniel Holder, it is simply not true to suggest that the present proposals represent a change of direction towards information recovery. Okay, so that's so. There we go. We're just the same as England, aren't we? I can't remember English soldiers coming walking around the streets not in my lifetime of English cities, Scottish cities, Welsh cities. I know they've done it in the past and, and shooting people. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Fuck off, Malachi. So that that's. I'm going to call this. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot two little things before I go. See if I can pull this up. This is a letter. That was in the Irish Times. Real quick. This is awesome. Uh, this is uh, a reply to a, a column in the Irish Times. And it says, Sir, Sarah Carey tells us that our finest virtues and values and virtues spring from Christianity and not from a moral wasteland. Remember what we were, remember I was talking to you last week about the statue of the puka? Remember that? And the priest condemned it as being a pagany thing. Well, the subtext to the condemnation is that only Christianity is good and everything else is bad. And that I am listen I'm not if you're a Christian and you you enjoy that, absolutely go for it. I'm happy, delighted for you. But it's not for everybody. And the idea, well, I'll get to it. The woman nails it in this short thing. So she seems not to realise that human kindness has existed alongside empathy. 
Since the first person went back to help an injured member of their clan, tens of thousands of years before anyone had heard of the tribes of Israel, it has helped to enable our survival through the most testing times and sustained us even against the attempted imposition of Christian morality, in our quotes, through inquisition and torture. It is, it is an innate human characteristic, weaponized by those, by those who invented the concept of sin. If your version of kindness has to be enforced by threat of eternal, damn, eternal damnation, it is not really very virtuous at all, is it? Yours, Bernie Lennon, Drummer County Leitrim. Going to read that last bit again because it's fuck. It just nailed it perfectly. It has helped us enable our survival through the most testing of times and sustained us even in the attempted imposition of Christian morality. The attempted imposition of Christian morality. That's it there. Through inquisition and torture. It is an innate human characteristic weaponized by those who invented the concept of sin. If your version of kindness has to be enforced by the threat of eternal damnation, it is not really very virtuous at all. Is it? No. And lovely jubbly stuff. So what Bernie Lennon is saying to Sarah Carey, and I don't know, I haven't read the article so I don't know, is quite simply, Christianity invented hell to get us to do good. And if that's what gets you to do good, the, the fear of your own self, going to hell that's not very good is it and fair play to Bernie Lennon for writing that and, and nailing it so concisely and so, so yeah nailing it so concisely and so neatly it's it's a skill to do, be able to do that right so last little thing and then well and then have another last little thing this is brilliant County, remember we're talking about County Derry Frostbit Boy? Remember he fucking got caught, he had to be rescued swimming with, swimming with dolphins, put his clothes on a beach like Reggie Perrin and whatever. So, what do you hear this? The, no, yeah, he's taking the fucking piss. This is an article that appeared in the paper. Now, this is in the Irish News. County Derry's Frostbit Boy to seek out new life as an auctioneer in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> fucking brilliant so this wait, this is he's this is a fuck he's taking the piss he, I told you last week I like this by fucking I'm more I'm more sure now than ever I'm, I'm right Frostbit boy Rory McSorley has revealed he is planning to move to the US to start a new career as an auctioneer <laughs> The 24-year-old from Park in County Derry, the entertainer, has been speaking about his plans to move to Texas. The news comes just over a week after he was dramatically rescued from the sea off the coast of County Kerry. Frostbit boy is living his life like some sort of fucking art piece, isn't he? That's what he's doing. 
first reported missing at around 8am on Sunday. After his clothes were found by the sh- on the shore by the RNLA, or, uh, uh, by a walker, the RNLA had the rescue, four kilometres from shore, surrounded by a pod of dolphins. Well, I tell you what, don't you? He might be frostbite, but you can fucking fairly swim. 4k from shore. He mightn't have made it back, but he made it out. Mr. McSorley shot the fame in 2015 when he was at. Uh, okay, I'm not going to read that. Uh, tip for a possible career in the world of entertainment. He said it is his intention to now be an Irish auctioneer in Texas. Though it is unclear whether he'd be, will be able to get a US working visa during the COVID pandemic. I believe trade is a mix of entertainment and business and I think it will suit me. It's a big industry out there and there's not much of it happening at home. I think it will be a great place for me to go for a few years to sort my life out. I can do whatever I want after that. Texas is a great place due to the value they have in their freedom. And I have to say, I have to say I really like that. Fair play. I don't think I'll have any bother succeeding in Texas, he says. And there he is. Fair play at him. I think he's, ta- I, that's, he's taking the piss. He has to be taking the piss. If he's not taking the piss, I apologise. But he must be taking the piss. But that's fucking brilliant. There's the original article there. Isn't that great? Fair play to you, Frostbit boy. But there we go. So, we're going to be done. We're done, we're done. I'm going to just going to... Last week thing. So... Recommends. Haven't done recommends in a while. These. So, remember... La- I was telling you last week. And this week, when I went to Sleeve Gullion. With my friend Darren Matthews, the comedian... Stepped out of his car and he had this in his hand. He gave it to me. There you go. Armagh Folktales. I wanted to bring it out last week. But I couldn't get it off Janie. She was reading it. And it's fucking brilliant. I've had a quick scan through it. I haven't really. But there's a bit in it there about Lurgan and all. There's some Lurgan stuff in there. Live once, buried buried twice. Marjorie McCall and all that. The Shankle Graveyard. Famous thing up there. So I'm really grateful to Darren for this. And I can't wait to sit to read it, basically, and I, and I will. So and then so that's fucking great, right? So it's Armagh Folk Tales by Francis Quinn, right? So when I walk, when I went round to the brewery tonight to meet my friend Vernon Fox, as I was telling you earlier on, wasn't I? He opened the thing. It was all closed. And he opened it up and we walked in. And there sitting on the table was this. Wonders and Legends of Loch Ness by Sharon Abuthnot. Arbuthnot. I don't know. I thought, well, never heard that name in my life. Sharon Arbuthnot. Now, I have a particular fascination with Loch Ness, as you, you probably know if you listen to me. Because I live a mile from it. It's just down the road. And I swim in it. And I love it. And I'm mesmerised by it. It's a place of extreme beauty. And the more I learn about it, the more I love it. And the more I learn all this stuff, the more... Then this is the whole point too. Again, this is me tying, trying to tie this whole thing together. From the Maliki O'Doherty thing that, you know, we're just the same as the English. And fuck off. No, we're not. We're not unsimilar. 
we drive on the same side of the road and we have certain maybe but the more you learn about where you're from and the more you learn about your mythologies and your histories and all this sort of stuff, the more you feel connected to the place and I believe that the happier you might be because then you'll stop looking at foreign climes and foreign fields for an idea of of happiness that you may not get if you can't if you're not going to be happy in your own in your own place then you, you maybe m- maybe going to somewhere else isn't going to do that for you either and i've genuinely believe that if 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 you're from here go to sleeve gullion go and get this book and go and read this book and, fi- and, and, and so when you're walking down the road and you know where the street name, what the street name means and what they used to do here and do 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 So I think it, it contributes to just your general well-being and it makes you feel connected to the place, which is important. So I walked into the brewery and Vernon there was sitting on the table. This And I went, oh God, Vernon, loves that book. And he went, take it with you. I went, if you're sure, he says, oh, take it with you. So he's into all this as well. He loves it as well. And and he he did, he said something to me. He said something that sort of it rung it rung a bell with me. Well, whenever whenever I when my eyes lit up when I saw the book, I went, "Oh, I like it because I didn't know this book existed and someone has written about Loch Ness, something that I am fascinated by. I know, you know, remember I was telling you the other week, like, I don't swim with my wedding ring on because I have this thing in my head that the furries that live under the lock, which is where they live, they might be tempted to try and take it off my hand when I'm swimming. Right? So, I have that going on. And then this, and when I saw this, my eyes lit up. And then when he, I, I, I says, oh my, this is amazing, I can't wait. He lit up and he says, Andy. This place is built on a fucking ley line or something. There's some, there's a vibe, there's an energy. Yes, 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 there is. It's burning. You're right. You're fucking right. Because I feel it too, and I'm, I'm, I'm as enthused about the brewery because of that as much as anything else, really. And they're going to be doing a big, beautiful mural of the goddess of the harvest on on one of the walls. He was telling me how they're going to be decorating it, and a couple of local artists to where. uh, the McCures are gonna. Uh, who the fuck else? He did tell me, but I forgot. Um, they're gonna be handling that. Going to be doing the whole side of the building. It's gonna be glorious. So and so yeah, we're gonna be playing there. So I'll let you know about that. And you can buy a ticket for that. It's gonna be food trucks and all sorts of stuff down. It's gonna be brilliant. So there's what. I'm, so there's what I'm going to be recommending for you, if you can get them. I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can Google them. And you'll get them on eBay or whatever. Where don't get them at Amazon. Don't do that shit, fucking wankers. So Armagh Folk Tales, Francis Quinn, and the Wonders of Loch Ness by Sharon Arbuthnot. I do not know. I've never seen that name in my life. I will spell it for you in case you're listening to this. A R B U T H N O T. It's a little slim hardback volume and it's rather beautiful so thanks to Vernon I'm, uh, I'm, he's, he's, I have to give him that back I'm not going to be able to keep that sadly so there we go I'm all done 
Marty here. Hope you're well. Hope you enjoyed that. Thanks for the listen. Politics, culture, and some other shit. Sure, like, subscribe. Do all the thing, do all the thing. And uh, we'll catch you the next one, next week. See you next Wednesday, everybody. Toodle pip.